There's a responsibility that is shared by our academic coaches and by our advising community to do what we can to help build lives and create futures and really make an impact, not only for each student that hits the door, but that continuing lasting impact. We require our students now to build what we call a career development portfolio. Iterative process every semester, resumes, LinkedIn profiles, mock interviews, having a work and learn experience, you know, a whole set of things to professionally prepare them in addition to academically. And I think one of the great things we have seen is there are a lot more virtual and electronic ways to do those things to, again, augment, be a plus to sort of the traditional of executing that work. Hey everyone, welcome back to Education Empowered. I'm your host, Jason Bellin, Vice President of Education Cloud Industry Solutions at Salesforce. It's been a few months since we last spoke and I am so excited to be back and kicking off season five of the show. This season, we're discussing insights that we've gleaned from the second edition of our Connected Student Report that was released just a few weeks ago. This year's report, it's really great. We're highlighting top education trends and findings, and we've gathered that from over 2,000 students and staff, over 10 countries around the world. Uh, really great to, to see the scope of that report, all the voices that we've captured, uh, and all the learnings that we can now take and apply to the work we're doing. And over the course of this podcast, this uh, new season, we're going to cover things like flexible learning and working options within higher ed. I know that's top of mind for so many of us. We're going to talk about the faculty and staff experience, new business models, digital marketing strategies, well-being, and a lot more. So tons of stuff we're going to get into in this season. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Today, though, we're going to be discussing a topic that is, uh, that is so important to all of us as we think about how we can support our students holistically over the course, uh, certainly of their uh, undergraduate academic journey, but certainly beyond that. If we think about advising and career readiness, supporting the success of students over the course of a lifetime. Uh, we talked about this a few times, actually, uh, in the last season, but today we're going to go in a little bit deeper with two amazing guests, uh, Chris Lowry and Jordan Skeen. They're both from two incredible community colleges. Chris is the Senior Vice President for Workforce, Careers, and Adult Strategy at Ivy Tech Community College, great institution. And Jordan is an academic coach at Central New Mexico Community College, another amazing institution. So Jordan and Chris, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jason. Yep. Thanks for having us. It's awesome to to be here with you today, and you know, let's uh, let's just do some intros here. So, Chris, love to just kind of hear a little bit about yourself and your career. You know, I've been at Salesforce for six years, so my whole career has been in higher ed. That uh, fifteen years that then led me to Salesforce. So, I'd love to hear about your role at Ivy Tech, but maybe a little bit about how you uh, how you got started in education as well. Wow. So, uh, I've been at Ivy Tech for seven years. I serve, as you said, as the senior VP of the workforce space. Uh, a little unique to our college, the position was actually created by statute five years ago. So I'm, I'm the first and only person, therefore, who has held the position. And uh, our legislature and governor said, look, Ivy Tech, uh, as the statewide singly accredited community college, we want you to have a really serious focus on workforce. So my role is serving as the chief workforce officer, much like the chief academic officer or the provost uh, traditionally at a college or university again, legislatively mandated. So yeah, I've been in that role uh, almost five years. Prior to that, I served as a chancellor for a, a really large region of our state. 
but I had a circuitous route in coming to the community college and to higher ed. That's, that's not my background. In fact, uh, out of undergrad, I spent about 10 years in public policy uh, in Washington, D.C., and then uh, at our state house. really in those spaces are where I was originally and, and initially really exposed to education and workforce topics. A U.S. senator for whom I worked was uh, uh, in, involved in a lot of labor-type issues, had an interest there, and then the governor for whom I worked in Indiana led one of the first uh, education reform efforts. So I, I really got a taste of it, really loved it. And uh, then shifted into the private sector, uh, was recruited to a publicly traded company in Indiana, did all of the different kind of roles over a 20-year period, just great exposure. And during that entire time, weaved my personal life into education and workforce topics, sometimes on behalf of the company, sometimes just out of my own interest. And so, yeah, I was essentially given that latitude to be able to do so. During that time, the last especially five years when I was with Hillenbrand Inc., HI on the Stock Exchange, you can tell I used to help pitch the stock to, to, <laughs> to the market or to uh, Wall Street. Um, but during that time, uh, I was able to really blend some of my interests with the interests of the company, including thinking about the graying of our workforce. And we were in a very acquisitive mode at the time. So how were, were we planning to grow acquisitively, organically, think about the graying of the workforce? And then simultaneously, it was serving as president of the local school board and involved in some ed reform efforts in Indiana. So all that kind of you know, merged, uh, got really involved with Ivy Tech. And um, so they recruited me about seven years ago to be a chancellor. And, and literally, the first couple of people who talked with me about this position that was going to be open, my original reaction was, so, so like, can I help you on the search committee? You know, <laughs> you want me to help find candidates, right? It, and these folks said, no, like, we want to talk to you about that. I said, hey, I got a job I really love. Did you miss that? Um, so, yeah, uh, but I, I feel so fortunate because it is, you know, really at this point in my career, you know, it's, it's a mission driven, mm -hmm. no kidding, you know, purpose orientation to what I want to do. And that's, you know, leave, leave a mark here in Indiana, realizing education, workforce and economic development and prosperity all just blend together. So, yeah, and I get to do that for a living. That is incredible. And I love, you know, um, we're going to get into this later, just talking about uh, lifelong learning, talking about engaging adult learners, reskilling, upskilling. And I, it feels like you've, you're living proof of, of this, this journey and you've uh, done the thing that we talk about a lot and having very kind of distinct chapters in your career, but you're kind of weaving an, a great story together that, where it keeps building. So um, it's wonderful to have this time with you today. And I'm excited to, to learn uh, with our audience about all the work you're doing. Jordan, let's turn to you. So that's Chris's intro is pretty amazing. So set the bar pretty high here. Uh, <laughs> uh, Story of my life. Right? Uh, so let's see what you can no, do. It's all good. No, that, that's really fantastic, Chris. It's, it's great to hear uh, that you've, you've really had some, some incredible experience. And bringing that to, to our learners at the community college setting is exactly what we need as a community, I mean, as a national community of, of colleges and educators. Um, so I, I'm really happy to hear that you're able to, to really bring that real world experience. Um, and, you know, similarly, that that was my uh, my path, uh, not not really exactly the same as Chris, but, you know, I, I did have uh, some different kinds of experiences that led me into the educational field right out of college. I I was playing music and uh, bounced around the country and, uh, you know, did live gigging and it was great. And, uh, you know, I took a couple of summer jobs, raft guiding and doing all the stuff that I could do, uh, while I could. And, you know, 
I eventually found my way into youth counseling um, at an inpatient treatment center uh, for kids that were coming out of all kinds of circumstances. Um, you know, uh, eight to 18 was about the age range. And, you know, I was an educational assistant at the school, um, at the residential center. I, I was trained in, in counseling and intervention methods. And a lot of these students probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to be in a, in a situation like this um, due to maybe juvenile detention or incarceration. So it really kind of sparked my interest in um, more altruistic endeavors uh, to try to, you know, give back to the community where I lived. And, and really, um, it was a really phenomenal experience. Uh, helped kind of facilitate a lot more of my own education and going back for uh, additional certifications and paralegal and uh, taking the LSATs and going back to graduate work and educational leadership and working eventually uh, in the college setting uh, through college admissions and scholarships and, and recruitment. And so, uh, you know, after a series of left turns uh, as a pun in Albuquerque, the old Bugs Bunny should have made that left at Albuquerque. I made the left at Albuquerque and um, I, I haven't looked back. It's, it's been incredible, you know, working for the University of New Mexico and uh, Central New Mexico Community College um, has been probably the, the greatest series of positions I've had, especially the work that I do as an academic uh, coach and advisor. So um, it's really been an, an amazing experience. And, uh, you know, uh, my wife and son and I live here in, in sunny Albuquerque. I think the only thing we could hope for is a little more rain. But um, other than that, uh, everything is all good. That's awesome, Jordan. Thank you so much for sharing. I just, um, I think the intros are probably my favorite part of this podcast in that I love just how hearing how all these moments in our in our lives, our career journey, but also just in our lives have built and created and have inspired us in certain ways to take on new careers, new adventures, and just hearing about the early work you were doing with young people and how that inspired you is really, uh, I think, probably inspiring to to all of our listeners as well as myself. I want to jump in. Let's start, uh, I think, probably the, the place where a lot of conversations start uh, these days, which is let's talk about the pandemic which we're still in, of course, want to be mindful of that. Um, but Chris, I want to turn to you. You know, I'd like to understand how things changed for you and the work you're doing at Ivy Tech over the last year and a half as we've battled and, and, and worked through the pandemic. And, and particularly, I'd like to kind of focus on what are the things that you maybe did in the last year and a half that you said, hey, that's not a bad idea. Why don't we, why don't we keep doing that and build on it? Yeah, Jason, thank you. Yeah, it, it has just been, it, it's been breathtaking. And, and I love this view because this, right, the pandemic has just been awful, right? And we could end the discussion right there. But I do think it has, it has been a spark in many ways for us all to think about doing work differently and, you know, the way in which we serve. And um, by the way, Jordan, I, I'm just so inspired by your story. I, I, I had chills as you talked about, you know, working with the eight to 18 year olds. And to me, that, that reminds me of the, some of the things I think we all observed during uh, the pandemic, and we still are seeing it. And that is, to a great degree, people who are underserved, underprivileged, uh, really challenged in our society were, they were hit hardest by the pandemic, not just from a health standpoint, but you know, from an economic standpoint, right? The first people you know, laid off and out of jobs and the last ones back to a job or perhaps not even the workforce now. Are, are people who have less resources, have less social capital. You know, so I, I think some of that has been heightened. It certainly has for us as we thought about the way we go executing our mission. So I'll, I'll give you a couple of different examples. We have thought differently about the way we've done career coaching. Um, we call it career coaching employer connections, a whole new strategy and construct we've been standing up the past couple of years to really make what we used to call career development or career services at our college a much more robust outcome-oriented 
part of the college experience for our students? Well, first, and I'll right, state the obvious here, a lot of that has had to go virtual. You know, we were in the midst of rolling this out to all 19 of our campuses. Again, we're a singly accredited institution statewide. Makes it easier, but also, you know, to some degree, that scale is so, so large that you know, it brings its own challenges. I think one of the things we've learned in that is there are ways in which we can continue to do more virtual career coaching and uh, you know, those different related services in person and virtually, and that they shouldn't have to be one or the other. We require our students now to build what we call a career development portfolio. So iterative process every semester, resumes, LinkedIn profiles, um, you know, uh, mock interviews, uh, having a work and learn experience, you know, a whole set of things to professionally prepare them in addition to academically. And, you know, I think one of the great things we have seen is there are a lot more uh, virtual and electronic ways to do those things to, again, augment, you know, be a plus to, you know, sort of the traditional of, of executing that, that work. A couple of other really pretty impactful things that we've done, especially, you know, that are related to workforce, getting people back into the market, was to work with our state government to really flip a sort of a cornerstone effort and strategy we've had for a couple of years. We, like many states, we've had a last dollar in program for short-term training. Uh, we call it the Workforce Ready Grant. Great program. It allows a lot of folks to go to college to earn you know, shorter term, like sub-associate degree, academic credentials, or even non-credit credentials at no cost. It, it's a last dollar in deal. Get, us, get all the financial aid you can then over here. And it's, uh, you know, it's geared toward high demand, high wage occupations. Well, during the pandemic, we went to the state and said, hey, you probably, you know, you, you may not like either one of these ideas, but we want to suggest two things that could be pretty impactful. Leverage the federal funds to be a first dollar in. So set all that aside. Let's remove every barrier we can from residents of Indiana to pursue these. And then secondly, rather than just sort of broadly marketing, you know, the opportunities of these high wage, high demand, you know, credentials, let's go directly target to anyone who has filed for unemployment or, or you can tell from your site has been underemployed during this period. And they said yes to both. And so we and they redirected, you know, Fed dollars. And I share that with you because, again, in that instance, I think we're learning as a state that that all worked really well. We went to the state uh, the third week in September of this past year and said, so we got this crazy idea. What do you think? And they came back the next day and said, we love it. What do we do to get there? Third week in September, the third week in October, we had enrolled and started 2,740 students in these programs which, right, that was like pretty breathtaking to us. And it was a lot for our folks to manage. Now also to share with you, the results have been really good. Um, I had a lot of folks say to me, hey, so, you know, these populations have a lot more challenges, right? They were kind of painting a bleak picture. And, and while part of me understood that, I also really candidly found it insulting, mm -hmm. right, to individuals who needed these services. Well, guess what? Their retention from fall to spring was 2% higher than our average population. That was huge because there were people who were saying it might be half. And I said, no, I don't think it will be. And part of what we did along the way too, that we're not going to forget, we're going to keep pushing toward, we, we've been building a concept we call Bridges of Hope. And it's uh, developing really seriously, no kidding partnerships 
with community and faith-based organizations on the front end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have wraparound, but in the community, those organizations will always do better than we do. Mm-hmm. So partnering with them, we view that as the relief side of it, opportunity being us with training and education, and then with employer partners to say, okay, you got to be in the game with us because as these folks are getting training and education, we want them talking to you at the same time they're going to class so that on the other side, there's not sort of just the promise of a job, but there is a job. And so, yeah, we've been modeling it, Bridges of Hope, and just one more example of something we're not going to forget about and we're going to continue to do because it, you know, it works. That's amazing. And I, I, I love that. And that's a story that I heard a few times, actually, uh, at our recent education summit a few weeks ago, um, but certainly in other areas as well, is this beautiful uh, intersection of community organizations, education, and, and business um, kind of coming together to holistically support students. So awesome to hear that you're doing that. Love to kind of double click into that in a minute. Jordan, talk to us about advising and coaching where you are. You know, we're certainly hearing from from our surveys, you know, students, you know, most definitely over the last year and a half needed virtual support services. Uh, would love to hear how you managed that over the through the pandemic and, and what you plan to take forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there, there's a lot to unpack from this year as far as student service goes. Uh, we as an institution are. I mean, in, in my opinion, and I think this is shared with a lot of the professionals at Central New Mexico Community Colleges, you know, we serve as a cultural institution as much as we do a community organization, as much as we do a college for students to, you know, forward their careers or their educations. And so we're truly visible from, I mean, literally and figuratively from most places in the city. Uh, we are very much in the center of town, literally, and we are kind of everywhere. Uh, everyone knows where a CNM campus is. There are nine campuses across the city. Um, we open up new uh, innovative technologies and opportunities for our students. Um, it seems like almost every year there's something new and different happening um, from our CNM Ingenuity Center, which really focuses on things like coding and computer information systems in a really quick um, you know, eight to 12 week course that puts people to work in some of our um, industries, including like Los Alamos National Laboratories and the uh, Sandia National Labs, as well as some of our local community partners like um, Intel uh, out in Rio Rancho, which is a neighboring community to us. But I think, you know, there's a responsibility that is shared by our academic coaches and by our advising community, you know, to really um, to do what we can to help build lives and create futures and, and really make an impact mm-hmm. Um, not only for each student that hits the door, but that continuing lasting impact. And I think uh, sort of an unintended consequence of of this type of pandemic that shut the doors literally, it opened all of these other things, like Chris was saying, you know, these opportunities to have more phone conversations, to follow up with students. Um, You know, one of the things that I, I can't help but think about is that, you know, Sal, uh, the Salesforce community, the advisor link tool that we use has really been a technological bridge in a lot of ways. We're able to share information uh, more quickly, more efficiently than we were maybe able to before. Um, You know, we had students waiting in a lobby. They're now waiting in a virtual lobby. They're at work and they're calling us from break rooms and they're in the parking lot on their lunch break. Uh, They're stopping in when they can. So I think we see a lot of, um, a lot of opportunity in what many folks may think as sort of a year of missed opportunity. And uh, for us, you know, it's really about listening and touching base and understanding what students' needs are and kind of meeting them 
where they are and, and when they need it. Um, you know, one of the things that I think CNM does really well is we, we problem solve on the fly. Um, and that's not just my department, you know, or our department that, that is at every level from, you know, from groundskeeping all the way to the presidency. Um, you know, we've made incredible strides to reach our students over the last year. And, um, and I think we're going to continue to do that. We've literally been able to build uh, so we have new facilities on campus this year. I think taking the opportunity to look at this in slightly, uh, maybe a different light, you know, it's been given us an opportunity to put some of these people to work from some of our technical and trade programs. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're seeing students leave the classroom and come right back to campus in a working capacity. So really, you know, being able to, to see that kind of growth, um, it's been really uh, positive for us. And, you know, I think it, it's a real team effort. Um, and I really think that for us to be able to work to learn to work better has been an interesting concept. And I know that kind of maybe come across a little clunky, but we're working to learn how to do our work better for our students. And so it's this learning begets working begets learning. And I think that's really been an, an awesome thing for me to see. It's, it's improved my outlook. It's improved the outlook of a lot of my students. And of course, there are hurdles. You know, <laughs> we we joked about the Zoom meetings. I'm no video feed because I don't <laughs> want to wreck the <laughs> the line of communication here. But I mean, the truth is, we find ways to communicate. This educational path, our conversations, find a way. And uh, I've made some incredible uh, strides with students, and students have made incredible strides with me. You know, impacts uh, that kind of make me, you know, change my perspective about certain elements of the job and, and coaching. So um, I really think that there's a lot of opportunity that we were able to capitalize on this year in a way that really positively benefits our community uh, at large. That's amazing, Jordan. And maybe, maybe uh, by the way, thank you for the endorsement of AdvisorLink and Salesforce. <laughs> oh, it's an easy thing to do, actually. <laughs> um, really appreciate that. Um, but unsolicited endorsement, that, that's great. Um, I'd love to maybe hear from from both of you. Maybe, Jordan, we can start with you. It, just some of what you were just talking about, I, I think there's maybe some practical advice that we, we might be able to impart on those listening in terms of you're talking about listening to your students and your constituents. You're talking about working together better. I'm, I'm guessing there's things that you're doing across teams to say, you know, not one individual owns the student journey, but we're all working together and sharing information to collaborate, to help students. I would just love to hear a little bit more about just how's that going? What, what are the things you're doing to better listen and better share and surround students with the support they need? It's very easy in this kind of work to, to hit the door at usually before eight and leave after five. And sometimes that, that clock, that time can kind of get in the way. And, you know, one of the best things about the position that we have here that as a coach, as an academic advisor, as an academic coach is, is that listening. It's probably our best tool. Um, and it's not always something that you recognize as the most important skill. And, and I think that when we have these conversa- conversations with students, um, we can hear, I want to do this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on a path to meet this goal and I'd like to do it within this certain amount of time. But what we don't always hear is that subtext. And, you know, what kind of challenges are you facing? Sometimes, you know, in advisement roles, that question may not have ever been asked. And I think it's something that we take very seriously here in our advisement team and something that we really have conversations about during our meetings, but also in our break rooms and in the hallways and in our virtual chats, you know, uh, things like WebEx have been integral for us to be able to, to, hey, did you 
did you touch base with that student again? Mm-hmm. Sounded like they were having a really hard time. Were we able to send that scholarship information over to that student? Was I able to follow up uh, with her, you know, yesterday or, or the day after? So, you know, I, I think that the tools are there. Um, I think it's sometimes about taking a step back and, and maybe um, analyzing that perspective and understanding what our roles are as academic coaches and advisors and, and hearing what the need is. And I mm-hmm. think that really listening to that that element of need is something that has been um, really uh, powerful for us. Um, we've really been able to, I think I mentioned it a second ago, uh, making those um, lasting connections, those connections that come again and again, whereas before we may not have seen students that were returning to advisement again and again, we've seen an, an increase in that, at least personally I have, you know, um, mm-hmm. touching base with, base with students maybe twice or three times more than I would in another ordinary semester. So I think that really keeping that that communication line, well, you said, Jason, that conversational, right? You know, our our Mm -hmm. conversations are really important. You know, what we say to each other, but also what we hear from each other and and what we listen to can be the difference between success and struggles. Yeah, I I, I love that. Uh, Chris, let's hear hear from you just on kind of the same topic, you know, just in terms of really making sure we're listening and then really facilitating great collaboration on, on the staff side to help students. It's been remarkable. And Jordan, I just, I echo your comments. I love hearing that. Just the work y'all are doing is just inspirational. You know, we, we have seen what I think is just a real acceleration of that. And I'll, I'll, I'll use our cabinet as an example. So we all office uh, in Indianapolis, which is, you know, the, right in the center of Indiana. And uh, it's also where our largest campus is. And, but we all have statewide responsibility, you know, across the system and across all 19 campuses. And for a few years now, uh, the whole college has uh, operated and run under the principles of 4DX, the four disciplines of execution. And within that, you, you might have heard of WIGs or wildly important goals. So we all have wildly important goals, you know, that are going toward the strategy and mission of our college. Well, to cut to the chase on that, right, that is a, um, you know, a cross-functional body, right, ranging from enrollment to academic affairs to workforce to the CFO, you know, et cetera. And what we've been doing is, and by the way, this is only representative of what everybody's doing across all the campuses. We've been staying close to our students by reaching out to them every week. And so for some period of time, maybe it's three months, four months, et cetera, we'll focus in and target sort of a cohort, if you will, of students. So the ones I was telling you about earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, the the special funding we've gotten and so forth. Uh, the first dollar in, reach out to unemployed, et cetera. It's called taking mm-hmm. Hoosiers to the next level. We spent uh, about four months, winter and spring, each one of us every week reaching out directly to like a dozen of those students. And how's it going? What do you need? What are the barriers? What are your problems? You know, how can we help, et cetera? And I, I know for me, that kind of outreach has been really important because I, Again, I've really, really missed uh, now back in the office, but I've really missed seeing my colleagues in person and also our students. I make a habit, you know, I'm at this large campus. Once or twice a week, I go down to the food court area and I'll just sit down like with a group of students and say, hey, you mind if I sit here? You know, they'll say, yeah, do you work for the college? And I'll just, yeah, yeah, I work for the college. So tell me about yourself, right? And I missed that for like a year. And what we discovered were a lot of things that we expected to discover. And then a lot of things we didn't realize were as pervasive as they were, uh, whether it was technology hmm. issues, connection issues, and so forth. And it allowed us then to redeploy some of those resources. 
you know, to provide uh, loaner computers like in mass, right? Because we've got a whole lot of students. And um, so it was mm-hmm. that kind of intel that we were able to bring back. And then in many instances go, okay, so it sounds like we need to do a data dive on that. You know, we're, we're hearing this music from four mm-hmm. or five of us. So how do we go into our system, pull that data out and, you know, and really see if that's something we need to go attack? So, yeah, you know, we, and we've seen that. And I only use the cabinet as, as an example because I'm involved in that every week. But that's the case you know, across all of our campuses and, and in executing some of these strategies that have come forth like this, taking Hoosiers to the next level. When you look at an entire organization and say, okay, so like in the next three weeks, we're going to enroll a few thousand students and get class ready for them and on and on and on, you know, wow, it's kind of breathtaking above and beyond what we normally do. So yeah, it's it's just been, just been like a real esprit de corps, I guess, that has come with it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, let me stay, stay on, on with you, Chris, for just a minute here, if I could, um, we're having these great conversations with students who are learning, we're collaborating better. I was just thinking, you know, the other day at, at our education summit, one of our customers uh, in Australia actually said something that I think is, is probably a universal truth, which is, uh, some, I'm paraphrasing, but soft skills are the hardest to acquire, but will serve us the best over the course of a lifetime as we change careers. I'm curious, as you're having these deeper conversations with students, engaging with them, learning, how are we making sure that we are helping them connect to job opportunities, job ready, but also that they are you know, career ready. Um, love to hear your, your thoughts on how your institution's handling that. Love it. And, and by the way, again, a, a tip of the hat to Salesforce. We, I, I mentioned earlier, we developed a really what we think of as a whole new strategy and approach to career coaching and employer connections. That's, in fact, that's what we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, blew up what we had previously had did a, a year's worth of research, tapped into the, to the best institutions through Aspen, worked with Aspen and others, and developed this whole new framework and construct. Well, I'll tell you, the first organization to jump on board with us was Salesforce. Like, no kidding. Uh, tallest building in the state of Indiana has <laughs> Salesforce on the top of it. And, um, you know, it, it was pretty incredible the way that occurred. And I share that with you because in constructing this this new framework, it really was about those employability skills that sort of professionalizing one's abilities. Yeah. I've always said, gosh, you'll get, you'll get a great academic experience at Ivy tech. You'll get one that's just as good as any other institution Mm -hmm. in Indiana, but where most are challenged is they don't have all of the resources and folks like Jordan to help professionalize and, and step out. So ways in which we were able to focus on that, you know, we did a lot of additional partnering, and, and frankly, it was easier because we were in a rollout phase with uh, employers to say, "How can you come alongside?" And uh, so that the student has the experience of not only hearing and meeting from our career experience specialists or our career coaches, mm-hmm. but also how can we really amp up what we're doing there? So organizations like One America, that an enormous uh, insurance and retirement benefits company that's headquartered in Indianapolis, but a whole lot of organizations that just stepped up and said, yeah, well, sure, we'll do that. And, and we also know, right, they've got talent pipeline needs and we're, right, we're fitting into those. So other things that we did and we're going to continue to do, we partnered with Inside Track, which is part of the Strata Education Group. Yeah, during this, one of the things we realized is even though we've built up all of this new additional capacity, 
we still didn't have the capacity to handle everybody being outside of a physical building or almost everybody being outside of a physical building. So, uh, you know, we've partnered with inside track to, to add capacity, especially on the career coaching side. That's fantastic. And Jordan, I'd probably maybe turn to you with the the same question here, just really thinking about uh, how do we set up students for success, you know, af- after graduation, making sure they are, they are career ready. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think a bulk of that work really falls to our, our instructors and our departments. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think I may, may have mentioned this before too, you know, the, the concept of ever-changing sort of um, technology and opportunities for students is so critical for us to kind of stay in step with our community of learners because, you know, we, we don't just see high school students coming from to a two-year institution ready to transfer to a college. We do see that, um, but we also see students coming back after several years in the workforce, or maybe they're coming to CNM from a GED track and don't know that they have a lot of opportunities that they do have. Maybe they're coming back after a bachelor's degree and earning uh, post-baccalaureate certificates in accounting or um, teacher education with us. So um, there's a lot of opportunity uh, for us to, to assist with students you know, in that element, you know, I really think a lot of, uh, there can be a lot of really positive feedback from anecdotal evidence, you know, being a, a really uh, large community institution, you know, word of mouth travels and people understand that when you're in a hospital and you're, you know, have a nurse taking care of you and they say, oh, I went to CNM, um, you know, oh, mm-hmm. you know, after that, I went on to UNM and, you know, actually my cousin is now a doctor because they started at CNM and their medical science programs. And, you know, I think that that kind of uh, opportunity is, it's not only anecdotal, it's real. I mean, you know, the Mm -hmm. evidence is very apparent to a lot of students. I also think that, you know, being really accessible to our community, having as many institutional uh, doors open uh, as we do, you know, with nine campuses across the city really allows us to to reach students uh, closer to home. Um, You know, partnerships with our universities and their institutions that we share, places like TRIO um, or uh, El Centro de la Raza at the University of New Mexico. You know, we're a Hispanic serving institution. We we serve all types of students here. Um, You know, New Mexico is a, a you know, a large Native American community, and we're granting more degrees than anyone nationally uh, for those students. So we, we see a lot of opportunity uh, for students in those kinds of job resources, job placements. We have a job connection services department that is really excellent. You know, just this week, actually, they're hosting a virtual resume workshop and offering students follow-up uh, appointments after that workshop, even if they can't make it. So, um, you know, I think we do a lot every day, and I think it's that consistent effort that makes makes the difference between a really successful institution that, that helps students succeed uh, long-term, not just in the two years or three years that they're with us, but that follow-up in the community that we really built. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love if you could maybe just give us a little bit of more information on, on how you are, you, know, you mentioned the, the nurse in, in the hospital and being connected back to, uh, to the college. What are the actions that, that uh, the institution's taking to make sure that you are keeping engaged, staying engaged with alumni as maybe that nurse wants to do some reskilling or upskilling or is thinking about, you know, uh, her next chapter uh, in her career? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, there are a lot of, uh, well, there are a lot of um, endeavors happening within the college to try to, to help uh, stay connected to our, you know, our local hospital systems, for instance, if we're talking about nursing or something. The conversations happen across town uh, as much as they do across offices. And, uh, you know, and I think that everyone 
knows somebody who's been at CNN. We're, we're a pretty small place, you know, um, and Albuquerque <laughs> in general is, is a pretty small community. One of the ongoing jokes in New Mexico is like, oh yeah, where'd you go to high school? You know, and, and, and I think moreover <laughs> than that is, you know, where, where did you go to college? You know, and, and I think that's changing and, and CNN is over and over becoming one of those places that, yeah, I got my credentials here. I earned this degree here. I was able to get cross-trained here. I was able to find work at CNN. And I think um, that is one of the, the lasting impressions that we continue to see over and over again, um, especially through this academic advisement role. You know, our team of about 30, 40 academic coaches, you know, we work together to make sure that that uh, conversation continues uh, past graduation. Um, and we really make a big deal about graduation here. It's a big to do. And, you know, before the pandemic, you know, we would dress in regalia and we'd walk with students and, um, you know, on that graduation day, we would be there and volunteer. And it, it really is a, a big effort for us to, to promote that success and, and see that sustained effort driven. That's awesome, Jordan. And, you know, as just hearing this story, as you're telling it, it just, uh, for me, underscores your commitment to the community, but also just underscores, I think, the word community and community college and, and how vital your institutions are to the health and the development of, of the communities that you're serving. Chris, would love to kind of maybe turn to you and, and again, ask that question, you know, around uh, making sure we are engaging alumni and, and as they think about that next chapter in their career. Yeah, you know, one of the kind of unique efforts that we've been working on in the past year and are just um, really pleased with the way it's been rolled out is to partner with a third party that probably a lot of folks would say, oh, they do coding academies. Well, they, they do a lot more than that, and, and they're really good at what they do. And we decided, rather than looking at each other and saying, well, you know, we wish your students would come to us or them saying we wish your <laughs> sure. students would come to us, rather to say, how might we partner on this? Because the fact of the matter is the, the IT sector needs more people than everybody who's supplying can combine in Indiana. Mm -hmm. And it's probably that way across the nation. So, so to that end, one small example of what we've done is uh, we've partnered together to say, first of all, what can we crosswalk? And I, I know our academic friends listening will get that, right? So what can we crosswalk from this academy, 1150 Academy, into our credentials? We also, though, took it the reverse direction, which doesn't happen a lot, and said, well, if X equals Y over here, then let's agree that Y over at ours equals X over here. So if you get the red and the blue badge and it becomes these credits over here at Ivy Tech, how about if these students over at Ivy Tech have these credits, can they automatically get your badging? And they said, well, gosh, you're the first people to ask. Sure, that makes sense. And now a little more involved than that, right? But, but we came to that conclusion. And back to your point around alumni, one of the things we said was because we had experienced this you know, in the pandemic, as we reached out to under and unemployed individuals, one of the additional things that the state did was say, let's open up these programs further than what we had. So originally, these types of high wage, high demand, short term credentials were open to people who did not have uh, an associate degree or higher. Well, the state said, gosh, you know, a lot of folks who are unemployed you know, have a bachelor's degree, mm -hmm. some even more. We have had people with PhDs participating in these short-term highway wow. tied certification programs, certificate programs, because they need to pivot. And, and, and it's been really effective. Well, with this other work, we said, well, gosh, why don't we market out to some of our alumni about some of these unique programs and mm -hmm. say, 
you know, you, you might want to take another run at something or with the changing economy, you might want to consider this, for example, in IT or this over here in business logistics supply chain. And uh, yeah, people loved getting it. And, and then where I was going to pull really quickly is in, in working with community faith-based organizations, you know, I, I'm a wholehearted believer that those organizations just, right, they live at the grassroots level. And I could spend a million dollars in a single zip code uh, in advertising, trying to get, you know, the mind share of individuals. And I will never do as well at that as turning to a community leader who has been living there for 25 years and running an organization, serving families and saying, so, hey, why don't we reach together the people you're trying to serve? It's really been incredible. Jordan, some of Jordan's comments in, in one instance, it's a, the near east side of Indianapolis, just east of downtown, a lot of challenges there. And you know, the leader of that organization has been there 25 years. They send out videos across the community on a real regular basis in English and in Spanish. Guess what? They're doing that about Ivy Tech short term programs and so forth now that, you know, that voice will always count for more. I'll just say at least than mine ever would, regardless of what community organization or faith-based organization is another approach that we've said, gosh, this worked. Why haven't we been doing this already? Yeah. And I love, I love that you, I love this example of looking at somebody who you might've thought about as a competitor, but taking kind of a beginner's mind to it and thinking about, okay, how do we work together? How can we reimagine this to actually serve the needs of the community? Um, that's, that's really inspiring. Um, okay. We, we have to wrap up in a few minutes here. Uh, it's been delightful talking with you and, uh, and Chris, you mentioned the word crosswalk earlier, which um, I haven't heard in a few months, but gave me some nostalgia for going to academic conferences and, and having these conversations, which is the thing I'm looking forward to, I hope, in the fall or maybe a little bit beyond that as we can start to kind of do these things again, um, which would be just as long as it's safe, which would be amazing. Um, I'd love to just hear really quickly as, as we wrap here, what are you really excited about heading into the fall semester? Um, Jordan, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, I think uh, being there, um, being on campus again is is huge for us. Um, really being able to see our students again and uh, work with them face-to-face -face has been really fantastic. And, you know, and seeing all of the really uh, great work that the students are doing. You know, a lot of these students that we work with, you know, we, we see excellent results and students are going on to amazing careers and great opportunities at fantastic universities and colleges. So, you know, our students are every walk in life. And I can't wait to meet more of them and, and share those conversations and do what I can uh, to assist them in furthering um, their own lives, building their lives and creating their futures. That's, that's amazing, Jordan. Chris, what about you? Yeah, it's going to be similar with me. I, I can't wait to be with our students. I love seeing just even a few now. Um, you know, I love being with people, you know, really being with our students, being with my colleagues, other faculty and staff. I, you know, I, I thrive on it you know, seeing and being with our employer partners, you know, at the end of the day, they want our students, I, you know, I want our students to find them. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, wow, I've had withdrawal from being, you know, in person with, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. other people, uh, gosh, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, my wife and I occasionally hosted our home cohorts of students for dinner, just, just like, mm. because they're, they're just such interesting people, you know, they're, I always say That's great. every person I meet is a lot more interesting than me. I've known me for 59 and a half years. <laughs> right? Uh, so I, I just, I really thrive on meeting our students. They're just fascinating and they just, just have such great hope and, and uh, ideas for the future. So yeah, can't wait to get back and see more of them. 
I love that. That's great. Well, uh, Chris and Jordan, what a great conversation. So great to connect with both of you. And uh, what a great way to kick off the first episode of season five of the podcast. So thank you so much. We're so grateful uh, that you were able to spend the time with us today. And thank you to, to all of you who, who took uh, a moment to listen to this great conversation today. Welcome back to the, to the podcast, season five, episode one. We've got a, a few more episodes on the way. Uh, and so we're so grateful that you've taken the time to be with us. Really looking forward to further conversation as we continue to explore these topics that we uh, highlighted in our Connected Student Report. Uh, for now, I'll, I'll wish you well and take care, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Education Empowered. If you enjoy this episode and want to explore these topics in greater detail, be sure to check out the second edition of Salesforce's Connected Student Report. The survey includes insights from more than 2,000 students and staff across 10 countries about students and staff well-being, career readiness, flexible learning options, and so much more. You can find the report at sfdc.co slash connected student report. That's sfdc.co forward slash connected student report.